Today's scripture reading will be coming from Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 16. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. So that was weird. Not the part about Peter falling into a trance and having a vision. Sometimes that was how God communicated with his people. It happens a few different times just within this book of Acts. In fact, even apostles like Peter or Paul couldn't always tell when something had happened in a vision as opposed to physically happening in the body. Now, this particular vision was weird. On one level, I get it. It was noon and Peter was hungry while he waited for lunch. So the whole kill and eat thing makes sense from that perspective. But the giant sheet full of all different sorts of animals, that's weird. And a heavenly voice telling Peter to eat things that he'd never eaten before. Because it would have gone against the law of Moses with its strict dietary restrictions for the Jewish people. That's also very unusual. And it didn't happen once. This happened three times. If I were filming this scene for a TV show, I would use a rewind effect to convey that sense of deja vu that Peter must have had reliving the same scene over and over. Kind of like the Bill Murray movie Groundhog Day. And that's all weird, right? This overall story is probably pretty familiar to us. Many of us having heard the point of it already in several Bible studies and sermons through the years... And it's part of such a pivotal event in Christian history. But I think because of all of that, sometimes we miss how strange this would have been for Peter. I mean, what was the point? Jesus had always said that he didn't come to abolish the law of Moses, but to fulfill it. But what exactly did that mean? The implications of it were challenging. Like when he said, do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? And with Peter's son in the faith, Mark, helpfully noting in Mark chapter 7 and verse 19, that thus he declared all foods clean. Now those implications don't seem so challenging to us. How many of us gleefully ate pork with our breakfast this morning. Yet appreciate it wasn't so obvious even to Jesus' apostles in those early years of the church. 
After all, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus had told them in John chapter 16, verses 12 through 13, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. So was that it? Peter was praying while hungry, and the Spirit in a supernatural miraculous way unique to this moment in history revealed another blessing of Christ's new covenant. Bacon. Was it simply about communicating the theological truth that now Jesus has come, those Jewish dietary laws had served their purpose and anything could be eaten as long as it was received with thanksgiving. Even if that was it, it was a lot. Peter specifically and the church as a whole would wrestle with that very issue in different forms for years to come. It's in Galatians chapter 2 and Acts chapter 15. It's in 1 Corinthians chapters 8 through 10 and Romans chapters 14 through 15. It shows up again in Colossians 2 and 1 Timothy 4. So, even though it might seem obvious to us, don't be surprised in the next verse when we read that Peter was inwardly perplexed by it. Don't be surprised that sometimes we will have to wrestle with God's word either. If we're going to see clearly where it is he's leading. And that's where I'd like us to focus this morning. More than just the event itself, how can we learn to clearly see where God is leading us? How do we make Christ our vision? True Lord of our hearts. All that matters to us. Our best thought by day or night whether waking or sleeping, His presence, our light. Peter did. So let's see how. As we continue in Acts chapter 10 with verse 17, we read, Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, An upright and God-fearing man, who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you, to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them. 
and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up. I too am a man. And as he talked with them, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them, why you sent for me? So the vision wasn't just about food. That's what Peter realized. That's what Peter realized in Caesarea, the seat of the Roman government in Judea. That's what he realized in the house of Cornelius, a Gentile Roman soldier, not just a soldier, but a centurion, a wealthy, influential commander over a hundred other Roman soldiers. It was well known that the Jewish people did not associate with, much less visit the homes of any non-Jewish person. And it wasn't so much that it was against an actual law that Moses had taught, as much as it was what we'd consider a necessary inference. Being in someone's home was just too close, too intimate. As a Gentile, they likely engaged in practices that would make the observant Jew ritually unclean. So rather than risk it, it was safer to just stay away altogether. That's actually part of why tax collectors who regularly had to interact with the Romans were social outcasts among their people. Yet, there Peter was with Cornelius. And not because Peter's a Christian now, so the law of Moses doesn't apply, because this passage makes clear that he didn't think in those terms. He was there because God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Now again, that may seem pretty obvious to us with the benefit of hindsight, of knowing how the story ends, but can we acknowledge it's a little bit of a journey to get from a vision of animals in a sheet presented in triplicate to willingly visit it with a Gentile. I mean, if, as many of us were taught, our only categories of applying scripture are direct command, approved example, or necessary inference, which exactly does that fit into? So more than just the story itself, let's consider how God showed that to Peter. Because while Peter was inwardly perplexed by what the vision might mean, Look how he dealt with that. In verse 19, we see that he was pondering the vision. Right off the bat, that says a lot. Peter was an apostle. He'd spent three years being personally trained by Jesus. He'd been entrusted with the keys to the kingdom. He was inspired by God's Holy Spirit. And sometimes he thought the word of God was a little confusing. 
He had to think about it. Too often we want simple, black and white, easy answers. We love to take God's word and categorize it as essential or non-essential, doctrine or opinion. We like to find those minimum key passages that say what we have to do and then turn them into a list. Then as long as we're following the list, plus or minus whatever issue of the moment is stirring up the brotherhood, then we can be sure that we're good, we're sound, we're saved. But Peter, Peter didn't have a list. Peter had to think. There was a way he had always done things, but now it seemed like there was more to it than he had previously realized. That he might need to start doing some things differently to be where God wanted to lead him. And Peter found that kind of confusing. He had to ponder it. Should we be any different? Can we reasonably expect to be where God wants us to be, doing what he wants done, if we never have to think, to wrestle, to change and grow? I don't believe that we can. If Jesus' apostles had to, then of course we will too. So to see clearly where God is leading, Peter's example shows us we first have to accept that we will need to think. We can't just assume that what we've always done is already the best it could be. We'll have to ponder what God says. To consider how what we are doing fits with what He wants done. We'll have to grow up past simple blanket answers and to recognize that we may need to do differently now without that being an indictment of the past or a change for the worse. Peter wasn't wrong for never eating unclean foods. But what was the purpose for that? What was God's purpose for it? With Christ as his vision, he could see it differently. Then he could hold true to what he had attained while still straining forward to what lay ahead. But that means we have to think. And specifically, we have to think about what does God mean by this? What does he want done? That puts us in a different frame of mind. Instead of just regurgitating the same old talking points, we seek to understand God and His will. It's kind of like our Discovery Bible studies. What does this tell me about God? What does it tell me about people? How will I personally put this into practice? And of course, who needs this that I'm going to tell? Because another part of seeing clearly is that while we ponder, we watch for the Spirit's work around us. Peter had no idea those three men were coming until the Spirit told him. But as the Spirit led him, he realized this wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't a coincidence that while he was praying, That while he was pondering God's vision, these men specifically showed up. 
Because without the Spirit's prompting to accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them, Peter almost certainly would have hesitated. Even beyond the issues of ritual purity we've already mentioned, there were lots of reasons why Peter might not have wanted to accompany three men sent by a Roman military commander to go to the regional seat of Roman government. But Christ was his vision. He was seeking to understand and to obey what he wanted done. So whatever fears Peter may have had about going to Cornelius' house, whatever doubts he may have harbored about an angel speaking to a Gentile, he invited those men in. And then the next day he went with them. Because if we're going to learn to clearly see what God is doing, we have to do more than just ponder and watch. When a door opens, we take it. We might not have everything completely figured out yet. We probably won't have a clue where it will ultimately end up. But if we're trying to please God and we see an opportunity, we take it. That's part of how we learn what God's will is. We don't just think about it or talk about it. We go out and actively try to do it. We follow Him one step at a time, but appreciate that following the Spirit's lead will take us through uncertain, uncomfortable situations. Peter let three men he just met take him to a city that was full of Roman soldiers. And if it weren't already enough that he was going to meet a military commander, he arrived to find the man's house full of his relatives and close friends. Most of Peter's relatives and close friends would have thought it was wrong for Peter to go visit even one Gentile. Yet here he was in a room full of them. Vision is like that. When we take those first steps we probably won't know exactly what we're getting into. We might face some situations that we wonder, what was I thinking? But if we were thinking, what does God want? Then it's going to be okay. Though we have to stand firm on foundational truth. Peter was defying all kinds of norms by even being in that Gentile home. But he drew the line when Cornelius tried to worship him. You see, because Peter was seeking Christ's vision, not heeding riches or man's empty praise, he knew where to stretch himself and when to stretch others. Which he did when he lifted Cornelius up. He explained to him that we don't worship men. The high king of heaven, he alone is first in our hearts. This is an important point. Without that foundation, we can find ourselves chasing change for the sake of change, constantly swayed by the latest fad or the most persuasive person. Or else, we take something that we want to be true and justify it by saying, well, the Spirit led me. Well, God put it on my heart. But did he? Did he really? Or was it just that you lost your temper? Or you decided to chase greener pastures? Or it's just what you wanted? It's like the Hebrew prophet wrote in Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 23 and 24. 
I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. Correct me, O Lord, but in justice, not in your anger, lest you bring me to nothing. That's how Peter handled Cornelius. He didn't go along with it, but he also didn't rip him to shreds for being in error. He lifted him up. He talked with him and focused him on what God wanted. And notice that as we do so, we'll see that God might just be doing more than we realized. Because in Acts chapter 10, continuing with verse 30, and Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa, and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you've been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Who would have expected that? Cornelius had a vision too. And it had to be from God. Otherwise, how else could he have known Peter's name or his location or even the occupation of the guy he was staying with. No one would have expected that, especially not from a Gentile. But that's what God was doing. And because Peter was pondering what God said, because he was willing to act when doors opened, he got to see for himself just how great Christ's vision is. And then he started to understand the vision. It hadn't just been about food. God had used it to lead him to go with those men, to go into that house, and now it led him to preach Jesus, to preach Jesus to Gentiles, which was a very big deal. It had never happened before. Up until now, all of the preaching had been to Jews. Now, these were Jews from all over the world like the crowds of pilgrims that Peter had preached to in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And Peter had also borne witness to the gospel reaching Samaritans, that nearby group of apostate Jews that most Jewish folks would not have had anything to do with. But never had Jesus been preached to Gentiles. This was the first time in the history of Christ's church that the good news about him was preached to them and Peter realized that's what the vision had been about that's what God wanted that's where God was leading which is already huge and then after Peter finishes telling them all about Jesus this happened Acts chapter 10 dropping down to verse 44 while Peter was still saying these things the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed 
because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Of all the ways that Peter had witnessed the Holy Spirit be incredibly active since Jesus had returned to heaven, this particular thing had only happened once before. And that was to the apostles. At that time, recorded for us in Acts chapter 2, they clearly saw how it fulfilled ancient prophecy and Jesus' own promise, empowering them to proclaim the good news about him to the whole world. So for Peter and those other Jewish disciples of Jesus who were with him, it seemed obvious. God didn't just want these Gentiles to hear the good news. He wanted them to obey it. Fulfilling Christ's great commission to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, and teaching them to observe all Jesus commanded. It didn't just mean to the Jews of all nations. It meant everyone. Christ's vision was for everyone. And it seems so obvious to us now. But that was the moment when things changed. We Gentiles that we are, are only here today because of that vision that God gave to Cornelius and to Peter. And you know what? The vision was still about food too. Because after those Gentiles put on Christ in baptism, they asked Peter to remain for some days. So do you know what that meant? He probably ate with them. But it also meant going with them, visiting with them, preaching Jesus to them, and ultimately baptizing them. Who would have thought you would get all of that from a sheet full of animals? Yet this is what God's Word does. It's what making Christ our vision does. When we really think about God's Word and watch For what his spirit is doing. When we walk through those open doors. Even when it's uncomfortable for us. But still stand firm on truth. There is so much that God will do. That's what Peter did. And he came to see that clearly. But what about us? Do we see Clearly, let's not be people that settle for easy answers. We're the way we've always done things. Let's not chase whatever's popular or say, it's the Spirit, when really it's just us. Make Christ your vision. Seek to truly understand what he wants what he means look for chances to do that to share that to share him because that's all peter preached to cornelius and those in his house he preached 
Jesus. And if like Cornelius, you've been praying, you've been trying hard to do good, but you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, which in the Bible means you've never been buried in water as someone who has heard about and decided to believe in Jesus, then this is what God wants for you next. It's where he's leading you. If there is any way, like Peter helped Cornelius, that we can help you make Christ your vision, let's take care of that today.